Welcome back to the Four Mandalore podcast, everybody. We're so happy to have you guys here, along with T-Bob and Jesse the Jetpack Don. I am Nick. Guys, we are really excited to review this new episode, Chapter 15 of The Mandalorian. Uh, as always, guys, if you want to hit us up for some viewer questions, at 4MandalorePod on Twitter, we'll be happy to ask them. We got one that we're going to ask today. And guys, let's just get right into it. Yo, Nick, what's going on? Jetpack Don, what's up? What's going on? Um, what's happening? Uh, so here we sit, the penultimate episode of season two of Mandalorian. And I got to be honest, it was not what I expected. Uh, I thought for sure that we were getting locked into a Dave Filoni two-parter, that this would be one yeah. giant part and then you'd have another one. And it's going to be like one big movie when it's all said and done. And yet the show continues to defy expectations. We end up of all things, with the second to last episode, we end up with um, de definitely not a side adventure, right? Because, I mean, you obviously get the coordinates to Gideon, which means everything. We'll get to the message at the end. But but almost a side adventure in field with Mayfeld, of all characters. Yeah. Uh, what's, what, what's really wild about that to me is... I didn't even really know that I cared about the character of Mayfeld before this episode began. And now I think he's kind of one of the most like emotionally rich and uh, in-depth characters that they have and him being paired yeah. with Mando and what he revealed about Mando and what him and Mando did. And just the entire kind of subversion of the star Wars philosophy with like the empire coming to the rescue and all these different elements. I mean, there's a lot to get into, but uh, it, it was, it was fascinating and it was in no way what I expected and uh and I really I, I I loved it. What did you think, Jetpack Don? I thought it was awesome. And I thought what what we are seeing was this was a consistency of the episodes of each episode to me is a character. Like last episode, that was Boba's episode, right? Uh this episode was uh, absolutely Mayfield's episode. Uh and he brought a funny wit to him. Uh, he kind of had that Doc Holliday flair of, uh, you know, former former gunman kind of turning honorable as he as he sees the the end of his life and and, and maybe wants to make a difference. Um, I thought the episode was great. Uh, I think we didn't go into a two parter uh, a lot because the last few episodes it's just been jam packed action. I mean, we've just been throwing the story of fought uh, ahead. And we're cruising to what I think is going to be an awesome climax, an awesome last episode. Yeah. Yeah, I really thought that there was a lot to be offered here. Um, I thought that it's kind of more than meets the eye. Um, I have kind of an ethical scenario that the episode uh, poses, so to speak, to, that we'll mention later in the pod. But I guess right off the bat, we start off, we're getting into the the feel of we need to get Mayfeld back. We need to get him back into the squad. We see... The scrap field that he's in, the prison, is kind of really reminiscent of Cal Kestis's home on uh, Fallen Order, oh, which I really very, thought that was yeah. really cool. You get to see the you get to see the the scrapyard of the Republic now, the scrapyard of the Empire. I thought it was really cool imagery. Where were they there? Were they? Um, I saw a lot of Tie Fighters and stuff. They were cutting apart. Do we have any idea where they were? Was that a battlefield or is that just some um, uh, like scrap? They gave it a name. Well, uh, yeah, I think the name was on it was given in the episode where where the previous episode where Dan and Jarn is looking for yeah. uh, uh, Mayfield. 
Um, I thought you're right. I think that's a great comparison on the Cal Kestis uh, home planet. And I did love the TIE fighters. I thought the, the kind of prison guard droid really looked cool. Yeah. His little, you know, his New Republic logo, that yellow logo looked great. Uh, just another visually just great episode. Well, and, I thought and, the, well, and uh, so, well, I'm sorry. Finish, finish your thought, Jetpack. Well, I thought the, uh, I thought this was another kind of like environmental episode similar to the one where uh, Bo-Katan and them, where it was a water planet and you felt the water. This was very much a, a jungle rainforest planet kind of a uh, lot different from where we've been, right? We've been to an, we've been to water planet. We've been to ice planet. We've been to freaking Tatooine, the ultimate sand planet. Uh, and here we are in a luscious green yeah. uh, planet. And I've got this kind of, I got these like Vietnam kind of vibes from it, you know, I, and I thought it was just, I thought the planet played as much of a role in the, in the uh, episode as, as some of the main things. Well, well, I mean, so I, I think those things are tied together because I think they all speak to the theme of the episode, which is an interesting theme that I don't quite know how they capitalize on or where they go with it. But this idea of it's, it's actually a concept that as far as star Wars goes, is really introduced by the Benicio del Toro character in The Last Jedi. But like Republic, Empire, what's really the difference to the vast yeah. majority of people? I mean, Mayfeld starting in that prison camp, you wouldn't know that was a New Republic prison camp if not for the droid having a New Republic symbol on him. How did he act any differently? Like how did anything there go down any differently than it would have... Uh, with the empire. I mean, they really yeah, that, drive that, this yeah. point home when they quite literally have like the music swell and the empire come to the rescue. Like when the tie fighters right. show mean, up to save the day, they are the cavalry and then stormtroopers and everybody's cheering for them. It's, it's, it's a look into kind of the humanity of the empire that I'm a bit surprised that they actually, uh, were willing to do given how many people they killed, just like cannon fodder. Um, but, but, but it also speaks to, I mean, I, I think there, there really is something there about where this is all going in a larger sense is it, it, it sounds like to me, they could be potentially kind of positioned to move away from that, uh, very black and white dynamic, that very empire and Republic dynamic. <laughs> well, I think they'd be doing themselves a favor by doing that. I mean, really you think about some of the most powerful pieces of Star Wars content, Episode Eight, KOTOR 2. Like, they really pull you into a direction where it's not as clear-cut as to what is good, what is bad. What even, are the Jedi the good guys? Are the Sith the good guys? I mean, that, that that's, when you pose that kind of questions in your piece of content, that's when you really get some of the best that this franchise has to offer. Well, and, and, and if you land it effectively, right? I mean, like anything else, and... It is kind of interesting, Jetpack, because, I mean, Ahsoka's kind of like the Bindu, right? She's like kind of in the middle to begin with. So I wonder if those end up tying up. I don't know. What what was your take on how how they were, you know, they were clearly just flipping the script and 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 putting the characters in different costumes and, and, and offering this different perspective? Well, I think it was, um, you know, as y'all talked about earlier, it's light and dark, right? It's It's... It's uh, in old Star Wars. It's it's red lightsaber versus blue lightsaber. Um, but where we're headed now is into the gray, right? Um, and ultimately, we now know that this kind of rigid 
uh, bureaucracy is what led to the fall of the Jedi. It's, and, and I thought the, the prison scene was also an example of, I mean, I, I thought to myself, well, prison labor is alive and well in the New Republic, right? Yeah, right? exactly. This is exactly. like a, you know, a tyrannical tactic in, in many ways looked at even today. Um, and here it is. It's, it's alive and well. Uh, they, they put him in the position of the stormtroopers. Uh, they give Mayfield is really your your journeyman through this discussion, right? This this is is Star Wars gray. Like, what's really the difference? Is there is there a difference between? I thought this was one of the best lines. Is he says, you know, what's the difference? You know, somebody believes in Mandalore on one thing, and somebody believes another uh, on Alderaan. I love that line. What? Yeah, you know, neither one of them are are here. <laughs> you know, so it, I'm a realist. You know, it, you know, I thought it was great. I thought he he was kind of going through a little personal journey too. Uh, you know, he was kind of us in the, in the movie, you know, or in the, you know, I call it a movie. These damn things are like movies, but, yeah. uh, you know, he is going through this kind of personal dilemma. He's explaining to, to Den that, look, the, the world's not as black and white as you think. And, and what's the difference? And then at the end, uh, you know, he kind of gets his little moment to, to heal some wounds that he's got with his yes. sniper shot. Yeah, you know? yeah definitely. Um, you well, know, and great line has. there too. And he delivered it so well, you know, it took a sleep at night, bro. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. I thought That's how you know we're still great. watching Star Wars is that uh, we do get the whole flip the script moment where the stormtroopers are the good guys, but then they still get totally blown up. And <laughs> <all> <laughs> they totally get the moment. And I think Game of Thrones did this, not just in the, the movies, but in their books, is they created these like gray characters. You took Jamie Lannister, who you just ultimately hated in the white, the golden knight in the very first episode. And he goes to this tremendous, uh, uh, character arc by the end right yeah like uh, he's probably and, the most likable character consistently outside of like the right. first thing and that so he does look what they're doing with boba fett look what they're doing with mayfield i mean they're they're kind of creating this this hey. squad this team of x it's like boba ex fett said dude. it's like boba fett said the ringer sometimes sometimes fate steps in to rescue the wretched That's, right uh, that, and that, i that think mayfield's gonna be a recurring character uh, you know, and I've talked, I've sent T-Ball a lot of texts and into our group text, you know, I really hope Boba Fett is, is the next member of the, of the Grogu, Din Djarin clan. I mean, oh, I dude, just, I, I would love nothing more. I mean, I've said this before and I'll say it again and I'll say it till the cows come home. Star Wars is a better franchise when Tamara Morrison is in the content. <laughs> so let me throw this wrinkle. Let me throw this wrinkle. Do you think that they could kill off Boba Fett, still keep Tamara? With your boy Rex, they absolutely the, could. You know, there's they've got so many ways they can go with the guy because he's literally like a thousand different characters in the story. I mean, I, I don't care if they if they kill all but the he is good. He plays. He just needs to play a character. That's what I, I I just need that voice. I need that throwback to me being six years old on a Saturday morning playing Battlefront Two campaign. You know, that's what I need. I need that in my life. Something tells me Disney hasn't quite gotten everything they want out of Boba Fett just yet. Yeah, I I, I think I think Disney's safe for now. (laughs) Yeah, dude, that fresh paint job though. Oh my god, it looks so so clean, dude. It was like uh, it's it's like that flat primer like looking sort of paint. Oh man, yeah, matte, yeah, yeah, that matte. matte, That thank you, thank you. The matte, the matte colors with the black robe underneath. Are you kidding me? The black, the black underneath. It it was such a good touch. I mean, that just makes it. He shoots his knee rockets. Well, it's him. It's 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 Boba Fett and the the dude that was a Mandalorian bounty hunter, foundling, you know, inheritor of armor, and also the dude that's been living in the in the 
you know, the yes. belly of the crate dragon Dune C, man. I mean, so yeah. it, they really married the two dudes into one great. I mean, that new costume is sick, and it looked completely sick in that rainforest kind of jungle backdrop. I mean, he looked great. And I'm just going to pull this out. When he dropped the fucking depth charge was awesome. <laughs> oh, dude, dude that was such a good charge, moment. Dude, call it back. To, it had uh, almost like a, a call back to like... Uh, yeah, I Revenge of the Sith. Wasn't that what... Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. It's that. when he's chasing... Uh, is that Sith? Or is it, yeah, I think so. When uh, Yeah, when, when him and uh, Obi-Wan are going to the asteroid field, Obi-Wan's trying to chase him. Yeah, that was an episode two. Yeah, that that's where that comes from, I think. That I don't know. It's awesome. do that boom. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I was saying. Like when, when people do the thing where uh like the sound cuts out for a second because of the impact of the explosion, that like always gives me chills. I love yes. I love seeing that. So that was yes, nice watching Boba take him out. Um one thing that I do think that the kind of moral ambiguity of the episode, one thing that I did think it did a very good job of for me as well as along with the very end of the episode, is it really drove home what Mando's motivation is, right? Because they even position you to feel bad for the natives of this planet. Because they're like, you know, I mean, these people don't care. We're all just invaders in their land. Empire Republic doesn't matter, right? And yet Mando, when they roll up and try to kill him, like it is what it is. He's got a mission and his mission is no matter what, no matter who is in his way, be they New Republic uh empire first order anybody all he cares about is getting to grogu and and yeah. and i that is something that makes a lot of sense to me and, and a lot more sense to me than fighting for some sort of larger cause like a new republic or an empire that doesn't really care about you like i completely understand why mando's willing to do what he's willing to do and and he is willing to literally change the most core rule about him. And, and so let's get into his mask, taking it off. But first, what's y'all's interpretation of the Mayfeld line? Where he says, like, uh, so what's the rule? You can't take your mask off or you can't show your face uh, because there is a difference, you know? Like, like, what do you think he means by that, by saying there is a difference? I think that it on on the surface, right, it's a line about, Saying, oh, you can't take your Mando helmet off or you can't show your face. Like, which one is it? Like, I think it's more of an inflection of, like, are you so deeply bound in your beliefs that you literally will will, will stop at nothing to enforce them? Like, where is your breaking point? And he, and he, he, he tests this all throughout the episode. Yeah. And, he, and he's harkening back to that feeling of, like, really, what is your moral compass? Where does it lie? I feel like that's what I got from it. What did you think, Don? Yeah, I think that... Um... I lost my train of thought there. Well, I kind of looked at it like, and that, and that's really interesting, Nick. And then I kind of looked at it like, if 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 it's that, if the rule is you can't take off your Mandalorian helmet, then that's a rule to me that that could kind of be built in just like a code of honor, like a code of honor that is instilled to you from the time when you're a kid. If it's that you can't show your face. That to me feels like it's more motivated out of shame, and and, okay. and so when well, I, and I look, I, I whatever, I, and so when he's sitting there, Mando. No, I like already, I like that take a lot. I, I really like that take. And so when Mando's already in a stormtrooper helmet, I took him like he's like, well, and what's everything else he said, right? Like, where's the line? What's the line? What does the line actually mean? 
Like everybody changes to just do what they need to do, uh, depending on what the situation presents them. And that's exactly what we see Mando go on to do in this episode. So I, I thought it was real fascinating watching Mayfeld just through some very simple, genial conversation, really like break Mando down bit by bit psychologically and make him question, essentially, I mean, this is the ultimate question, right? So Coach Moffat used to always talk about, how bad do you want it and what are you willing to sacrifice to get it? That's what Mayfeld is asking Mando this entire episode, and we see it when he takes off his helmet in a room full of human beings, something that he was ready to die for last season. He was ready to die instead of let IG-88 see his face for, you know, IG-88 points out it was a robot, not a human. And this season, he willingly shows his face in front of a room full of people and has conversations even because it's all about saving his son, Krogu. Yeah, and I think they've also been chipping away at this all season too, right? They had Cobb Vanth when he originally had Boba's armor take the helmet off. Yeah. Bo Katan kind of took the helmet off and was like, you know, you know, he's one of these Death Watch guys kind of, you know, trying to explain to him that there's other ways uh, of life. And then what uh what Mayfield exposes as these loopholes, like either either you do have this kind of absolute you know, constitution where this thing just doesn't come off no matter what. Yes. Or if you allow for these loopholes, then you kind of create, are allowed to kind of poke holes in the, you know, the ideological place that he is on wearing this. Right. Yeah. Very well. And, said. And, I, and I think that when he took it off, I expected a guy that would, when he got the first opportunity to put a helmet back on, right? I expect him to be nervous, uncomfortable, reach for a helmet. It, I think he kind of liked having his helmet off. I kind of think, it, you know, you've been wearing your helmet for a long time. You, your face has got to feel pretty good. Well, it starts, know? I mean, it starts with uh, Mayfeld saying, man, I, you know, I hate wearing these things. Like, they're so uncomfortable. How do you see anything? Right. Yeah, and they stink, and it's somebody, I mean, there's all kinds of different reasons why you don't want to wear that. Um and it's funny to me that this is not, it's, and I don't want to bring up any kind of weird stuff, but it's been, it's happening all at the same time that we're having this kind of like pandemic debate and that, you know, it's weird how it all blends in to do real life kind of discussions that are happening. Yeah. But, but eventually, like you said, he had to take it off because am I going to sit here and not be able to find my kid because I can't take this stupid helmet off? I've, I'm not even wearing my man. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know? Uh, and so he takes it off. I think, you know, this is kind of, you know, something I wanted to bring up and maybe this is a good time, but the fact that he didn't have his Mandalorian helmet, you have to be realize him and, and Cara Dune, he gave her his entire Mandalorian set of best guards. So their relationship is very strong. To me, that was yeah. a big symbol of how tight they are. That that, that that was a simple little act that showed these two are tight, but you can uh, tell yes. him in, in, in his reaction, like when he's like, take care of this, there is no like ingenuousness in that at all. It's like, you, you, you need to take care of this. And she's like, I will. And you can right. hear, yeah, she hear understood the weight. She knew what it meant to him. Right. But that's a ton. I mean, we know how valuable Beskar is. We know how important this is. And for him to give it to her was, was a strong move in, in indicating how tight they are. Uh, so, you know, and, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Jesse, finish that thought. And I think that what we got in that that mess hall where he took his helmet off, 
um, we met the Night King, the actor who played the Night King in, in, Richard in Game Brake. of Thrones. Uh, Literally, his name, movie. I guess, I'm just realizing this now as I'm saying it out loud, his name is Dick Brake. Yes, nice. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. But he was one of these, these uh, empire guys who've got nowhere to go, similar to the guy that was on the cargo ship that they hijacked, right? And he had a great accent. And he, you get to see the first remnant. I mean, he said order. And then this is where you get to see the plan was. They're going to create enough chaos. It's going to be so un, uh, yeah. you know, yes. unsafe yes. for them to live that the first order is coming. You know, people think they want freedom, but they really want is order. And that was your big first order, you know, shot across the bow. And uh, this was, I think, no joke, one of my favorite Star Wars scenes of all time was the sit down at the table with Valen Hess. I mean, the entire was thing such a, was, so good. was filled with Tidge from the beginning. We already know that Mayfeld was in his, uh, you know, under his command. Of course, he did not recognize him because he doesn't seem to have really any value on human life to begin with. Watching, um, I, I thought Bill Burr did a fantastic job watching Mayfeld go through the the kind of internal struggle and the rage and the mental calculation that's building up as uh as Valen has it's just, I mean you want to talk about malevolence and just sliminess and creepiness and greasiness and just somebody who you can kind of feel the evil oozing off of like he got all of that across just in that simple sit down scene Richard Brake was fantastic and and watching Mayfeld's character do the mental math as they're talking about uh what was it burning con where operation sender yeah well, well well so burning con though was where Mayfeld fought the, oh, yes, that, yes, that, yes, yes that yes. that all of the people that were there it sounds like were just tortured some sort of like you know um what sort of indiscriminate like satellite strike of some sort yeah. killed just everybody there and it's obviously something that really messed with Mayfeld. It sounds like the thing that, you know, eventually led to him completely getting himself out of the empire. And, and, and it's something that, that, that has, has changed him to his core. And yet Valen Hess could not care less. And, and so watching Mayfeld's character say, I don't care what happens after. I just know this guy needs to die. Like this is an evil man. I hate him. I need this revenge. This guy needs to die. And and then coupling that up with that Rhydonium explosion at the end, and all of a sudden, in just a single episode, we we we've seen this incredible character arc where, like, uh, all of a sudden, yeah, May, May, Mayfeld, he's he he's like a character redeemed. And think about it; he delivered a big blow to the Empire there, killing one of their chief officers. Uh, blowing up that that uh, cargo of Rhydonium. It sounds like they have massive plans for what is Cinder. Is it something to do with like uh, Death Killer Base or Star Killer Base? I don't know, but um, just that entire sit down scene. It it was fantastically acted from all parties, especially Richard Brake and Bill Burr. That, ten that tension is so real, man, and you really feel like listening to both parties give their takes on what happened and what the actual implications and meanings of what happened was the the dichotomy is so so striking well and the and you could just see 
you know, uh, den jar and kind of look at him and be like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah, you, yes, know, you yes, could tell yes. early that this dude was about to pull the trigger. Uh, and, and I think that that moment you saw a, a bond was created between those two, too. I mean, that, that this is going to come back. Those two have, have just shared a, a, a traumatic situation together. And, you know, there's some trust now. Uh, Mayfield saw his face. I thought he played that off really great. It really was. Yeah, he was like, scene. I never saw it. And then he showed him the respect of not looking at and him then, as he handed the helmet And then back. after that, immediately, I thought, we are watching what the Mandalorian video game is going to look like. The, mm-hmm. uh, the escape scene, you know, I mean, because you got to imagine this Mandalorian game is coming. snipers it was awesome it was uh it was it was some great shooting by uh is it not not ventress what's her name finnick finnick shan great great shooting by old finnick and kara up there kara's just an absolute got that light caliber sniper rifle and kara dune's got that 50 cal dude you know, she's got, if she hits you in the shoulder, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> but you also aren't doing the jump across spinning uh, shot that she did in the previous episode. So, it, it, but I thought the shots were great. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the sniper rifle. Uh, I mean, you can tie in too in, in, in the, in the end where uh, Mayfeld grabs the long rifle and just destroys the Rhydonium that Finnick and Kara look at each other and be like, man, that was a good shot. Like he was yeah, good. And I think yeah. that was kind of a, that's kind of a moment where like, I think it's foreshadowing as to like, yeah, that's not the last time. Like they won't, they're going to, I mean, cause they're going to think about that and be like, yeah, dude, we need, we need a, we need a gun. You remember know, we need a good when we gun. met Mayfeld season one, that's a, he's a good fighter, man. And, and he's obviously an ace shot, but that whole setup he had with like his shoulder guns and everything, uh, I, I want Mayfield to get his his equipment back as well. Yeah, with a trench coat or something coming into the uh, back into the scene, I could definitely see it. You know, another thing this episode did showed you is Kara uh, Dune, Din Djarin, Fennec Shan, and Boba can wreck shop. That yeah. is a strong little squad, dude. You took out a whole base, bro. You yeah, took out a I whole mean, base, and without even so much as taking a lick. Although I will say, I think that when when Din was defending that that transport vehicle against those kind of uh, pirates, yeah, let's talk about that. Go- we haven't even talked about that action scene. Yeah, yeah, dude, that, that's really that's where the moral uh, ambiguity comes in this episode too, which well, is a really interesting point. But let's talk about the actual action, then we'll talk about the implications. Yeah. So what I thought was we had talked about this in the previous episode. Is he was relying on his armor way too much, man. You, you know, see, it, see that's yeah. like when he takes that first hit and the shoulder plate goes oh, flying, and you're like, oh yeah. And then he and tries I to block with his forearm and he gets it almost broken. Yeah, he's learned a little he got to learn a little lesson that that he's maybe become a little too reliant on the armor. Uh, because he was taking some serious shots and you got some heavy foreshadowing when he slung that spear through that guy at the end, you know, he got some good spear faction. Oh, when he took the, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and, and I'm fairly certain Gideon doesn't know about the spear. Right. I don't see yeah. why he would. No, I, I don't know. This, the best car spear and the dark saber on a freaking magnetic cruise co- uh, course oh. for each other. Don't oh forget the best car spear is still what I believe the best chance of killing those those robots, those oh. evil robots, if they are indeed made of all best car. God, if he um, gets like a chest piercing spear blow to one of those dark troopers because fucking Super Saiyan, I'm all in. I'm like uh, thinking about Mando being like one on six 
with like dark troopers, bro, and just like him wrecking it. Like I, the red I, viper come back to life. Yeah, Dude, exactly. I, red viper back. Well, he's back. And so, uh, look, we 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 love all the different themes of this show. I've always like brings into the fold. Um, at its heart, so much of this is western. And what a great spin on the highway robbery scene or the train robbery scene, right? Yes, yes, like yes, yes, going yes. through the lush jungle, like Jesse said, just a completely different environment than we're really used to in Star Wars. Um, the kind of almost like boat like skiffs that they fly in on, giving that very pirate sort of Bro, feel, guerrilla warfare. Cajun specials. Yes, yes, exactly. That they were in their P Rose to try to get him out the swamp. That was uh Yeah. Now now unfortunately they tried to rob r- the wrong guys. If it had uh if Mando wasn't there, they probably would have gotten away with it. But that I, I, I like the entire fight scene. I love the explosion uh at the end when he throws the thermal detonator and still gets blown back. Um and then again, yeah. I just thought it was really so fascinating the sequence where the TIE fighters save the day. They're so hyped and the music swells and all the, rep- I mean, it's a scene we've seen a million times with Dude, the good guys, but we've never seen Empire. it with the bad guys. I know it always tricked me into cheering for the empire. I may have cheered. Oh, hell for yeah. Hell yeah. I, 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 have, all, I have expected it to be Cara Dune and Fennec Shan flying the TIE fighters that they like stole from the base. I, that's what I expected it to be. We are all, uh, we are all uh, Mayfeld in that moment where he's like cheering. He's like, Calvary's here. Mayfeld hates the empire, but he's a realist and he recognizes they needed help. They needed to be saved. And, it was just well, such an outer visual. rim, man. It's a survival. It's it's. This is a survival story out here in the out, outer rim. It's just living to you know th- to see the end of the next day. Um. So unless any what's the moral code? Where, where, yes, where let's. The- I, I wanted to. I wanted to see if we were were good on that. So, uh, credits to Eckhart's Ladder on YouTube for posing this question, guys. Right. So think about where we are in terms of the moral implications of this episode right very much we're driving through the poor village and they don't care if it's the empire they don't care if it's the new republic it is irrelevant to them they are just trying to make make do what does mayfeld say mayfeld says if you can go to bed at night with like a clear conscience or every words yeah, it, you says, then you're doing better than most yeah. right right so think about it so think about that compared to you know empire new uh new republic both both good right Think about who are the pirates? Who are the raiders? Are they even raiders? Are are, are they people who are trying to stop? No, they're those the townspeople. Mando killed a, a you know a slew of like the young men on this planet who are trying to get the empire off of their planet. And that's what that's what the the question that he raises is is what that that's what he calls Dinjarin's major mistake in the episode is did he not do enough to, to so just this, try but to but see get him but to this leave. goes this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Because it drove home Mando's motivation. Okay. He doesn't really give it. I mean, he, he feels for these people. Absolutely. But in that moment, they are trying to kill him. And if he dies, Grogu stays with Gideon. Mando right now is singular in his focus. It does not matter what it takes. He wants to get to Moff Gideon at all costs. Now, you know, maybe if he was presented with some sort of Soviet towards like, you know, you got to kill this kid or something. I don't know what he does. But in that situation, being attacked, he had to act and he did what he had to do in order to get back to Grogu. 
I would agree yeah. with you. I just wanted to see what you thought. Jesse? No, I think first, I think it's a great question. And I think it kind of gets to the heart of what T-Bot was talking about earlier, what we've been discussing as a crew here on this kind of gray area of Star Wars that we're entering, this new gray era, right? Yeah. Um, and they legitimately eradicated like 50 dudes. I mean, they really, <laughs> like, they didn't. They, I mean, they honestly, took out they the just, entire male population of a village. Yeah, easily. Right? And, dude, and, it would have so, been a perfectly planned attack if not for Mando and Mayfeld because they were no, taking everybody out easily. Yeah. You know, it was obviously working with the other transports and I think I think Mando, like T Bob said, is singular focused. He he is a pissed off dad looking for his kid who's who's kind of anything that gets in the way, if, if it's if it moves, it's getting shot. You know. Um and I think another thing that, that has happened there too is these these guys are these children of war that we've talked about. They, they've been so heavily trained. They just kind of fall back into this kind of military training where, yes. you know, it's kind of kill or be killed. Uh, and ultimately, in, in many ways, kind of Mayfield sniper shot at the end really kind of redeems them, right? Like, yeah. that light, that did more. Those guys' sacrifice was not necessarily in vain because that probably, that shot, what man, what what Din and and Mayfield did to that place is more than they could ever probably have really sincerely accomplished, right? Yeah. Um, but it does show you that, um, you know, it's it's a get it how you live. It's a dirty world out here in the outer rim, man. It's really dirty. You know, it's that wild west. So wild, you just get west. these situations. Oh man! Um, and so speaking of motivation i did like when he threw the blaster at the guy too that's always oh how about that empire empire engineering dude empire engineering just so shitty can't rely on the armor can't rely on the gun only can rely on another video game scene we could see you know a timer with the rhydonium gonna explode having to keep it at a certain speed oh yeah i mean the video game influences in this show are are very obvious even when we talked about like getting the legendary armor and the upgrades and the legendary weapon now um i but mayfield and cara dune had a great little chemistry you know um Uh, he was, he was ta- he's always talking shit to her. Always, dude. Your sunny disposition. <laughs> he's like, okay, I wonder how much fun you are at these things. Whenever he's just always, always, <laughs> always. Even even when he knows that that's like not the person to be talking shit to because she's gonna send his ass right back to jail. And that's also important to point out with Mayfield or Mayfeld. He he um you know maybe he thought it might have helped, but but they, they they obviously wanted you to feel, and I did feel this way that he didn't. He didn't kill Valen Hess or blow up that Rhydonium to try to get out of jail. He did that personally for himself because he felt that it's what he needed to do. And then credit Cara Dune uh, for using discretion and her letting go of her own deeply, deeply held biases. You know, she hates all things Empire. She's a child of Alderaan. Um, and, And so credit to her for recognizing that you know what his actions represented a man who deserved a second chance, and then he earned that second chance. Although I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You can't drop me off at like a different spaceport or something. You just, yeah, I, no, they I just, just really like let him loose in the jungle. They're yeah, like, I'm like, like we're, we're and, on Mando before he's like, there, there's nothing on this planet. Yeah. Like, there's nothing here. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, dude. Like we're on this. What what, what the fuck, dude? Mayfeld's just like, oh, 
You're gonna love it. All right. Okay. Later, guys. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that loose end tied up a little neater. <laughs> well, the uh, God, that made me think, T Bob. You know, t- uh, Star Wars is it's really a, a story about second chances, and we're getting a lot of that in this yeah. Mandalorian season. And I'm wondering if they're changing as we talk about these kind of bigger philosophy of Star Wars, grayer area. Um, and it's always kind of been for kids, but I think, are they driving home this theme of, look, you know, just cause you make a mistake, you know, uh, or, you know, you've got a second chance or, you know, the quickest way to get out of a hole is to, you know, quit digging. And, you know, it's taking these characters that at, at one point or another were broken or considered bad and giving them this, this, you know, second chance at the, at the fan base. And, and it's obviously a theme that's kind of coming through this season. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a depth that Star Wars is not usually willing to engage with. Right. No, it used to yeah. be, you, you know, you did one. If you had a girlfriend, bro, you were going Sith, man. You know? Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There was no in-between, man. There was just no in-between. <laughs> you have a girlfriend, uh, you're going and, and Sith. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny because, you know, they, you know, it's, it's always famous, Sith, the only deal in absolutes. It's actually an absolute. An absolute, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe they're loosening the, 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 the wheels up. Maybe we're doing some constitutional amendments here to the code. I love well, that. I wonder. I wonder. I mean, the big, big brain, you would think maybe that like, I wonder what Luke's code is at this time. Because I do feel like Luke is probably married to traditional Jedi values. I wonder if we ever down the road sometime would see some sort and, of and debate Luke between right Luke now, and Ahsoka to as to what's the way. Luke is cleaning up the galaxy right now, trying to rebuild the order, trying to locate these force users. You know, he's kind of on his own, you know, mission. Like maybe, uh, uh, you know, maybe like at the end of this season, we may hear from him. Oh but yeah. No, the, no, no, uh, no, no, no. I'm not. And, and what I'm talking about clearly, I'm, I, I'm just thinking about, I think he does represent more of that old school Jedi philosophy. Um, oh, yeah. unless he's changed whereas someone like ahsoka represents the kind of evolved jedi philosophy or evolved force user philosophy that the show kind of seems to be moving towards oh well, yeah, see, I, I think you i think you bring up a good point in that you know has he changed you know you, you see him in episode eight and he like is, is raving about the jedi text being destroyed he and yoda has to remind him like hey you need to forget about all that stuff. Like there's nothing in those books that she doesn't already know. You yeah. Know, that's, Yoda, that's like, Yoda did. I, I also felt like that was Yoda kind of saying, even like these are lessons that I wish I would have realized. Uh, yeah. Like I too. When all this yeah. happened. Yeah. And, you know, and he's kind of like, I, I too lost sight of what really mattered, what was really important. And we all paid for it. It's like when he bonks Luke in the head and Jedi last Jedi and says, you know, you skywalk our heads always in the clouds. So you gotta like, you know, you gotta look at the here and the now and the bottom. Yeah. Just, just help your friends. Just help your friends. Uh, man. And I watched the episode the other day of when they expel they, uh, Ahsoka, you know, mm, from the Jedi order. Yeah. I, I, I'm just kind of going through it on Disney plus, And it's just, she really was the representation right in their face of their own undoing. Yeah. And for the, them to kind of bring her all the way to the forefront of Mandalorian 
they are really about to shake the lore core here. I mean, I, I agree. With you. It's about to be. Um, it's going to be a whole new light versus dark discussion. Yeah. Uh, uh, I had a interesting revelation when I realized how the slave one works. I, I figured you always just kind of like strap in laying on your back and then you just get vertical as it goes. But like, there's like that inner like rotating thing. Well, there that was that, but there was also a time it. where Boba was strapped in on his back and then rose up. Yeah, I do remember that, but I, I like meant like the inside. Like no, well, that, okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I guess is that that was my theory. That's where I landed at too. Is that the cockpit? You're always kind of like facing that direction, but then yeah, like the living quarters or maybe like where you could kind of sit around that room. You're right, like rotates with the ship, right? Yeah, that's where my head cannon is at. I, I will say yes. this. I will say this. Thinking about gravity physics. And Star Wars spaceships is just not something to engage in because you got to remember <laughs> yeah, in space yeah, combat, yeah. there is no up or down, right? In, in true space combat, there is no plane, no up or down. Everything just exists in a 360 space. So like there's no banking like left or right or like, so it's it just, it's, it's, you just have to accept when you watch Star Wars combat that, Whatever the physics are, they are, uh, because yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of little, I think, inconsistencies to that that you see. Like, like why when you flip over, sometimes do you like get jostled and fall with versus like and like stumble versus other times you just spin and n nothing matters. I really love Star Wars, right? It's the flying iron, man. I mean it it <laughs> it really does look like that. Uh, but while it's, we're talking, about I don't know shit, what it is about this this slave. I love the design so much, dude. I can't get enough of watching awesome it fly. Ship. I still just want to hear those guns again, dude. I was I was hyped for the well, seismic charge, but I wanted them to actually uh I wanted them to just pop the guns backwards because it can fire backwards. It's just our beep, 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 beep. Bro, we, we gotta have a space battle. Yeah, like, come on. We haven't even had like a proper space coming. battle yet. Yeah, it's true. And Got even season you. one had a space battle. I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna get it going into um. Well, we're meeting Mark in his ship. Yeah, I mean, like we're headed to the ship. So yeah, speaking of, uh, what did you think about Mando's message to Moff Gideon? Which I fucking called that one. So so um, I have a particular set of skills. Yeah, right. The Tegan speech. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he just flip a lot of Moff Gideon's lines yes. back at him? No, he it, did. Was, it was verbatim. I'm pretty sure it was like verbatim. Yeah, they gave yeah. you that exactly the, the in the recap. They gave you that line when he first greets him back at the final uh, episode of last season. I think he does it. He kind of, from what I remember, is absolutely like exactly what he said. Yeah, it was almost word. identical. But his tone, dude, like the tone sold it. Like the tone is what makes it so much different. Well, and he Gideon. had a huge hologram and he looked very menacing in that fucking Mandalorian armor and this big hologram kind of looking down at Moff. Yeah, Gideon. yeah. The, ang the angle of the hologram helped him out a lot. Big time. He looked larger than life. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised Gideon let him keep playing it. I'm, I'm surprised. Homie, like, I don't think Gideon knows that homie Boba's up in there either, dude. Boba, let, we, I can't forget to just give him his. He looks so badass in this new, fresh painted dude. I mean, he's going to be wrecking shop in this he brings final like episode. A, he brings like a calm. He brings a calm demeanor to his killing, too, 
that also just really makes me feel like, oh, this guy just like is really in control of every yes, situation. Like, like, like he's, he's telling these dogs to go to go, go with God, mother. You know, yeah. like I'm about to kill you. Yeah, like, like there's I'm no making, there's no emotion. Your maker. Yeah, it just it is the only time we see him really have emotion in his killing is when he's trying to get his armor back. But ever since he got yeah. his arm back, he's just like it, it is what it is, dude. His uh, I, I can't wait to see more Boba Fett. Um, so let's get into he's predictions. The gri- in. He's the Reaper, baby. Let's get into predictions then. Um, and, and and well, as far as the Gideon speech goes, what's the final line where he just tells him like, like you have no, or where he tells him you have no idea have how no much idea he means, he to, means me. to me, or like, know, or like what I'm willing back. to do to get him back. And yeah. and it sounds so much more impactful coming from Mando than it did Gideon because you can hear that emotion, that pain in that voice, that father's pain in that. And voice. You, and you think about what what he means when he says he means more to me, like and what he's going to use him for. Like Gideon says that for totally like surface level reasons, he yes. wants the benefits from the kid. He wants the whatever he's trying to extract from him. Mando, this is like blood. Like this is him. Like this is wanting his child. Yeah. Well, ironically, uh, well, just ironic because you said it that way. Uh, Gideon does want the blood, but Mando's fighting oh, yeah, for okay. him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Mando's fighting for what he feels like. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. His blood, his clan, the Mudhorn clan. Um, yes, foundling, bro. He's a foundling. Which the, whatever. Um, I mean, it, it's it's really it's not about the clan. It's really just about he he feels like it's his son, and he's getting back no matter what. Okay, so next episode. Uh, Bo-Katan gotta be right. I mean, Bo-Katan has to join up. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. No question. If she doesn't show up, I, I will be surprised. I think we're going to get our space battle, Nick. I think we're going to have some space lasers. Uh, I think we're going to have the Jedi, whoever heard that beacon, you know, that he set off. We're getting that whether it's at the end or, in, I don't think it'll happen right at the gate. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna get an answer to that phone call for sure, in my opinion. And Do you then, think we get a like big like I guess yes because the series is coming up like this is the end of the episode, the season. But like, are we gonna get some big climactic, you know, Mando versus uh, Gideon? Gideon, I, like I, like I, I feel scene? like I feel like with the mention of Thrawn, they are positioning Gideon to be replaced. I feel like this is like uh, the classic Star Wars thing where you step up to the next level of villain. I'm starting Always to wonder if fish. Gideon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm starting to wonder if Gideon has uh, is getting yeah. ready to meet it to but, serve. But there his is a, there's a factor that we've got to talk about too that that's got to play into this prediction calculus. Is we now know the Ahsoka series is coming, the Kenobi series is coming, the all this huge new content um, is coming. So Thrawn may be you know, that villain for well, but the, as far as the Kenobi series, though, the Kenobi series would exist way before all of this, right? Kenobi no, no, series know, is going to be I'm young. Just, I'm just pointing out that, that all these new series are coming out. The universe is growing, expanding in terms of, of who's going to be entering it. Right. Yeah, the, the Easter with eggs the series. Straight to this series. The Easter eggs may not be hinting at stuff that's going to happen in the Mandalorian. But I think you're definitely headed for a Din, Jaren, Moff Gideon, um, uh, confrontation. Look, there's a lot of people out there who think Din Djarin's going to die and, and, and Grogu's going to go full Sith Lord. 
Um, and that would be the way because I, I do feel like given Filoni's stated philosophy on Star Wars, like if Din Djarin is there for Grogu, I think Grogu will be okay, right? But if he loses him in some painful way, the loss of the father, I think, would be enough to open him up to completely turning him into a rage machine. Yeah. And would they really remove the Mandalorian from the Mandalorian, though? Um, no, because look at Disney Plus. Uh, so yeah, no, that's, uh, no that's a good I don't point know there. if they're going to do it in episode in the in the second season. But there's a you know, yes, his eventual fa- his eventual fate could definitely lie there for sure. Yeah. The um the, the possibilities there really are endless. They have they have. You know, they showed you what their future is, and their future is obviously Disney Plus with some sprinkled in, you know, big films. Um, and so they could they could go a number of ways with with the various different seasons. So what about but this last far- episode though? Do you think we get like the slave and like a bunch of Mandalorian fighters with Bo Katan rolling up on Gideon? Do you think I, Gideon's I think gonna be on could. the ship in space? Will he be like posted up like at a base somewhere? Does I think, I think Bo Katan. Oh man, that's a great question. I, feel I think like she should, Ahsoka dude. was there to be like the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody Hannah Montana crossover episode where she shows up to promote the Ahsoka TV series. Uh, and then de- <laughs> she doesn't really show up again. There's definitely an element oh, of that, but that. also, but also, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's that. I, I don't know if it's. I, I still would allow for a little more of a chance of getting her back in this episode. Uh, I don't know. I guess I would say I actually. Okay, I'm gonna say that I do. I do think you see Ahsoka. I, I think they're gonna bring her back. Um, okay. I think she's gonna explain maybe, or may, I think you'll get some idea behind a little bit more of her motivations. I do think she's a chess master that Gandalf type of piece and Gandalf always shows up when you need him most. Maybe, maybe a more interesting take on that is Ahsoka necessary for Mando to defeat Gideon. Is, is she the missing puzzle piece? I'm thinking that teamwork is going to be necessary to beat Gideon. And I think, I think that maybe we'll get some like ideas about like building the clan or maybe I, or just family, right? Maybe Mando feels like, they have this weird, messed up family, but I do feel like it's going to be one of those situations where the bonds that Mando has formed will allow him to triumph over Gideon. It's something else that we've kind of seen in Star Wars quite a bit where the lack of respect for life that the Empire has has come back to uh, bite them a few times in terms of they have nobody there supporting them or helping them. They have, they have, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Sub what when you're below somebody, not superior subordinates, they have subordinates that are just waiting to replace you on the empire. Yeah. That's kind of like your attitude for the, the Sith too, is like once you get strong enough to defeat your master, you kind of have to, and that's, what the the order depends on is that you ha- you need to have somebody coming up, someone under you to train you that will kill you and then become stronger than you. Um, you know, in these old Western kind of these old samurai movies that obviously you know this plays a huge influence over the the season. Um, there's always this kind of 
um, difference in opinion or philosophies is do you reach your maximum potential and martial prowess protecting something you love or, you know, giving in to your emotions and destroying something you hate, right? And and so I think that Mando is going to be able to, or Din Djarin, when he's when he does eventually fight Gideon, is going to be able to tap into that kind of, that dad strength that, you know, that, that, that lives yes, only where yeah. you're willing to go somewhere where you're going to lay your life on the line for somebody else. And I think he's going to shock the world, man. Cause, cause the dark saber, I think Gideon's going to underestimate him. And make no mistake. I certainly Gr- think Mando's going to tap into something that we've never seen before. Also make no mistake. Because he, he's reached a new level. Grogu imprints on people, right? Even Mayfeld when, I mean, all it took was Cara Dune being like, they took they you know, they took the little, they, they took the child. And even Mayfield's like, little green guy? Like, oh, that's right. fucked up. All right, dude. All right. Yeah, fuck them. They don't get him. Right, like, right, right. like Gro- Grogu, like everybody loves baby Grogu. Uh, it's not just, I mean, Mando has the strongest, but Cara Dune, everybody that's met him, Bo-Katan. Uh, actually, I don't know if Bo-Katan did meet him. Either way, um, they're all going to be willing to go a little extra. How long do you think this upcoming episode is? 58 minutes. I think we got to yeah, be. I think, I think we got to be over an, an hour. hour. Like, I think Nick's probably right. I'm. I'm saying hour ten, hour twenty. Give me a I mean, full. I, I would movie, love that. Dude. I would love that. They got a lot to tie up, dude. I mean, they could do a lot with this if they wanted to. But I mean, I guess they don't have. To yeah, tie when you up, told right? me that, a lot of it open. Sorry, go. Ahead. No, uh, what were you gonna say? Because I got one thing after that. I was just saying, like, when you told me that this was the penultimate episode, I was like, oh shit, we got. We got stuff to talk about. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, dude, this Friday is it, do. man. It's crazy. This Friday is it. Uh, do they get Grogu back by episode's end? I hope so. I, I mean, I really, I, part of me thinks they're not, but I really hope they do. Remember um, this. And I, and I think that, oh, sorry, I think, I think he'll be, I think he'll be in safe to keeping, whether that's with some Din Djarin or this new Jedi or I don't know. I think he's he's going to be safe, hopefully. If but. we go back to uh, – and, and granted, we always talk about Filoni. Favreau deserves just as much discussion on the writing front. But if you go back to some of Filoni's core philosophies about Star Wars and the conversations that he's had with George Lucas, he does talk about at the end of the day that Lucas like, look, never forget, man. It's a kid's story. Give the kids hope. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think you get Grogu back. I hope. You get Grogu back. Does Bo-Katan in the episode with the Darksaber? Oh, man, that would be awesome. I would love to see all kinds of Mandalorians come flying in, Slave One shooting its guns. I mean, I, I want to see it all. Do you think uh, he's I think okay, we get like so the, then- the big, like the, the thing that we stole uh, when we were back on the, the planet with the Corrin, that big old ship. I think that's what they, they meet up with Ooh, Bo-Katan at the beginning of the next that. episode. Yeah, I think that's going to happen at the beginning of the next episode. They're going to meet up and they'll be like, all right, we're going to load this thing down and we're just taking it all. Like, just, oh, you know, that's right. buggy taking this whole big old thing. Do they? And, and so Bo Katan probably has a lot of Mandalorians working for her, right? Like, like definitely more than those three. So she yeah, can bring she, a lot I mean, of force out there. She does, yes. Um, are any of Mando's clan that rescued him in season one still around? Remember John Favreau was the voice of me, the huge the, dude. Oh, the the armorer, armorer to me is the X factor of that group, right? To me, if we're going to get them introduced back in, it'll be through her. Through the battle yeah, priest. Um, 
he may spend the first 15 20 minutes trying to rally the troops oh, you know God, like boys. i think that might be they what we see we, we may see so him go epic. back to her I'm, I, I keep thinking of surgical strike scale, but the more we talk this out, they could go like bigger battle scale if they wanted to. Not an overly big battle, not like Revenge of the Sith, like which I love the opening space battle there, where it's just like oh god, they're on screen. It's just so like a billion ships and lasers everywhere. But no, but you this take, thing take the big old ship that you captured, take that, send that, be like the big old thing, and then you get the slave coming back up the back alley. He's the, you know, the, the big ship's the distraction. The slave's the one that's going to get the work done. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. And we've had that. Some Mandalorian uh, fighters, we, I would imagine, as well, if you do get the full kind of Bo-Katan forces to get the Dark Saber back. Give me Basilisk War Droids. Give me Basilisk War Droids. Give it to me. What were you saying, Jesse? Wait, hold on. Sorry. No. What's a Basilisk War Droid? Uh, we talked about it in season one. It's kind of like the ancient... Uh, riding weapon of the Mandalorians that you kind of like, oh. it's kind of like a, a a steel stallion, if you will, kind of you know weapon of of war for the Mandalorians. Oh, that would be, that would wild, be awesome. <laughs> you know, I would. It, it, ultimately, what what would be the best is if we were if is if we're right all along, and that Ahsoka used Grogu as some big chess piece, and that it all just comes smashing together in the last episode yeah even if it the checkmate a, you know even if it ends in kind of a cliffhanger we've tied up some loose ends opened some even wider but i would love to have an ahsoka uh bo-katan the the some of the other mandalorians all kind of making their stand here i i definitely think we're going to get some new republic folks now that we're talking it like through it like this because yeah Cara we've got Cara Dune, we've got the the, the captain there. they're already and, and and there's another cross promotional idea, right? Because they have what is it, Officers of the New Republic? What's the new show that they're that they're making? Um, yeah, Rangers. Rangers, Rangers, yeah. And we've also we have recurring New Republic characters that we know. Um, yeah, dude, they could they, yeah, they could get a squad. To get some X wings. They to me, oh, we almost please, we're dude. definitely guaranteed to get. Give me some T seventy X wings battling uh, with some Tie fighters. I love it so much. Ooh, um, and then of course, wanna, it, no, go on. I I was gonna ask if we want to do our viewer question. Yeah, let's do it. If you yeah. had a, if you had a thought, perfect time. Yeah. So, our boy Brian Jones writes us. Okay, Brian, thank you so much for the question. Again, if you want to ask us a question, hit us up at Four Mandalore Pod on Twitter. More than happy to ask him. Brian says, At 4 Mandalore Pod, you've got me excited about the possibility of Rebels characters showing up. Sabine and Ezra make a lot of sense. And I kill to see a real Lasat. I butchered that. But Season 2 lacks a sassy droid. What are the odds of live-action Chopper making an appearance? <laughs> I mean, dude, if you did introduce... Uh, Sabine or Ezra or Hera or who's ever with um, I don't know if you, if, if you wanted to like having Chopper show up first on the scene would be a great really fun way to do so well uh, and you don't I have would, to cast Chopper yeah. you can keep Chopper quiet right you don't have to cast a big uh, big actor to name you know once these big characters get casted it's hard for them to keep a lid on it with Chopper you can just throw him in there God, I would love to see Chopper. I would, I would go. I would definitely have a huge nerd out moment 
If I saw his little like his like little you goofy, just showed up on Gideon. Oh, ship. dude, it, it's a, like goofy arms that are always waving around. If he like shows up, it does something I, in live action. Yes, please give me a live action chopper. But but I was gonna ask that. Uh, so it's funny that he that the viewer asked that. But like, just uh, jetpacked on. Any chance that we see Sabine uh, this episode, this next episode? Look, I I think the ultimate tie-in. If we're not if. If there wasn't this kind of Luke Skywalker things kind of hanging over my head in terms of where I think this is going, I would definitely say Rebels crew is showing up at the end of this and setting the stage for the the Ahsoka series, all the whole thing, right? Thrawn, the whole deal. Um, so I would, lo- I think you could, do- I think you could happen. You could easily see it happen. What is Harrison Dula doing right now? Raising a young force wielding Canaan Jarrus. Probably trying to help the Republic get on its feet. Rip Canaan, dude. Damn. Freddie Prince Jr. If they ever do a live action cave in, bring Freddie Prince in. Let him do it. Yeah, right. he's earned it. Uh anything else, boys? Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for Friday. I can't wait. It's, it's I know it's kind of bittersweet yeah. though. It's the last yeah. one too. Yeah. You know, it's 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 exciting, but it also comes with its own level of of bittersweet. Well, for uh, two taste. months now, it's going to be over. For two months now, we've had a little extra juice to your Friday, where like you had something that you legitimately could not wait for. I mean, Jesse, yeah. you watch it at like six a.m. It seems like every Friday. Uh, yeah, and probably five thirty-six. I've now started rushing home from work, and I just immediately close all the blinds and curtains and like. Like yeah, whatever else you could watch, and and then I have to go watch me like at home. It just it gives you juice to like get through the work day. So it's definitely bittersweet, but I think we're gonna have a pretty mind blowing episode to record next week. I have too much faith in the Mandalorian as a series that they're gonna give us something to munch on for months and months to come. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. Favreau is and Filoni are gonna deliver the the coup de gras, and then look. You could have Kenobi and Ahsoka. You have so many things that could fill the void because we know, I, I read this, that season three is going to premiere on in, on Christmas next year for Mandalorian, which is a big time day, big Ooh, time day let's premiere. Let's go, bro. The box office. I mean, they've reached like true movie status. Also, while we're talking about directors, shout out to Rick Fukuyama, who directed this episode and I thought he did a great job. What I really love too is in the gallery show, uh, the episode that he directed last season, I don't think it even had like, it was almost all masked characters. Like he never got to work with like an actual human being. So getting him to get to shoot that table scene with all that very real emotion and that tension and that dialogue, uh, he really got to, to kind of flex his vision, I thought. So shout out Fukuyama. Yeah, I think work. I think after the end of the se- season two, we need to kind of maybe do a top, you know, list kind of like your little tier list that you like to do, T Bob. Like list some of the best scenes and what we kind of rank. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll do like we'll do like a recap. We'll do like an episode recap next time, and then and then maybe we can do like a fun like season recap after that. Also with kind of those kind of conversations. I think that's a good direction to take it. I'm super down to do that. Nick, what do you think? I think uh, now the good direction is for you to take us out. 
Yeah, guys. Well, we have reached it. As T-Bob said, the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian. Guys, I really want to thank you so much for tuning along with us. Every step along the way, we're going to be here to recap this seismic final episode. Again, if you want to reach out to us at 4 Pod on Twitter, I would love to interact with you guys and hear exactly what you guys want to say. Again, ask any questions. Be happy to ask them on the show. Thank you guys so much again, and we'll see you back here next week.